Well, good morning, Melanie Park. Uh, we were really blessed by the team that came that came uh, with us, that came to visit us uh, last month. It was a real blessing to have them there. I think they enriched our lives by being there. It was real fun to meet Bruce. This the, when I just saw him up here just a couple minutes ago. It's the fir- first time I've ever seen that side of him before. Um, but uh, it was a real treat getting to meet him. I've heard some stuff about him. And one of the things that was a real blessing was that they uh, were real servants. I remember cleaning up, having to pick up uh, plates and clean up stuff. Uh, one thing that we do a lot is uh, we use uh, disposable plates and cups. Uh, you kids who are tired of doing dishes might want to suggest to your parents, why don't you use disposable cups and plates so I don't have to wash so much. But... Uh, they were real servants in helping us there, and they were also willing, willing to break out of their comfort zone, as Elliot shared, and uh, share the gospel. Share the gospel. You know, uh, one thing in reading First Corinthians is how blessed I am I, uh, by reading that, how blessed I am by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so are you. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin, you are incredibly blessed. And we're going to see that today as we... Open up our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. I invite you to join me as we go through that today. My wife told me a couple times, remember, Chuck, you're not in Mexico. So if you get excited and start talking a little bit too much, remember the time. I'm not used to that. They've told me I'm long-winded. So uh, anyway, uh, we're going to see what we can do today. We're going to see what God does. Remember, God is speaking to you today. What is He saying to you? God speaks to you every day through His Word principally. But there are other ways that God speaks to you. What is He saying to you today? What is the message that He wants for you? Because there's going to be some practical applications from what we're going to be seeing today. So let me read. I'd like you all to stand as we read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 1 through 9. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. I don't know what version you use. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking, in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. You may be seated. Paul founded the church at Corinth. At some other time, you can read Acts chapter 18 and find out how, what God did through Paul and his, and his uh, fellow co-laborers to start that church. Paul writes, Called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sostenes. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I sometimes get mixed up with the Spanish pronunciation of that word. But Paul is called. We're going to see that word three times. Called. 
where we often talk about a calling, what God has called you to do. God called Paul to be an apostle. Now, I don't know what you believe about apostles. There are some people who believe that there are people with the title apostle. Uh, we believe that uh, the term in its strictest sense uh, passed away with the death of the last apostle. The word means one who is sent with a message. So in its, more, in its widest term, the, the term still applies today to those who are sent with a message. Alejandro Pantoja, who you, who've been praying for, a missionary to Turkey from the Cidades Teca Bible Church, would, could be called, fits that, fits that definition. I don't think he's going to want to be called an apostle. So when he's here, when is it next week or the week following, please don't call him Apostle Alex because I don't think he's going to appreciate that much. But that, the term fits. Apostle, one who's sent with a message. Now today we'd use the word missionary. Now, I personally believe that a missionary is one who's called cross-culturally. But there are many of you who would say, I'm a missionary right where I am. Now, whether or not we're in agreement or that isn't really important. The question is, are you? Many of you would say, I'm a, I'm a missionary right in my neighborhood. And my question to you is, are you? Are you praying for your neighbors? Or are you just there? Are you reaching out to your neighbors? If you really are a missionary, you need to act like one. If you really call yourself a missionary to where you are and you're not praying for your neighbors or your co-workers, you're not sharing your life with them, which includes the gospel, which should include the gospel, then you need to start doing that today. Start today. Pray. God, show me how I'm going to reach my neighbors, how am I going to have contact with them, meaningful contact with my neighbors so that they can see my lifestyle and I can win a hearing? I have a neighbor named Martin. He's really Catholic. Now, most Catholics in Mexico are just Catholic because they were raised that way. And they'll tell you that. I'm a Catholic because that's the way I was raised. So kind of gives you the idea, well, it's not from the heart. Martin isn't like that. He goes to church every Sunday or almost every Sunday. Uh, he, he has studies in his home sometimes, Catholic studies. And uh, he uh, works with metal. He's, he welds. And so, and, but he's just a man of all trades. And so I'm thinking, Lord, how can I reach out to my neighbors? How can I reach out to them? How can I have contact with them? And so I think about Martine, I think, you know, there's stuff that needs to be done around the house, and I could do it. I could repair a faucet. About four hours later, my wife would come by and say, you don't know how to, I'm trying to work on this faucet, and I've been working on it for four hours. And my wife says, maybe you ought to call somebody and help you with that. It's taking you a long time. Uh, I do repairs around the house. I'm not that fast. But I think, you know, I could do that, but I could also call Martine and ask him to come over. He's very available. If he's not, if he's in his house, then, then he can come over and, and he's very willing. And he'll do it in about half an hour. He's really good with that stuff. He'll repair a door. He'll do this or that. But I look at it as an opportunity to have Martine in my house and to be able to talk with him while he's working. I have contact with a non-believer. And that's happened many times. Happened many times. But I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up because he didn't. And he doesn't respond the first couple times. I invited him to a Bible study. 
Oh, well, we study the Bible in the Catholic Church. Well, I, you know, I know in my mind that's not the same, you know. But, but I invite him. And I continue to invite him. He continues telling me. One time his wife, I was in his house sharing. And uh, I invited him to a Bible study. Well, you know, I go to church every Sunday and, and, and I re- study the Bible. And his wife looked at him and goes, no, you don't. You don't go this. Now, she was right there to hear all this. But the point is, I'm looking to have contact with non-believers. That's what you need to do. That's what I need to do. You have neighbors I'll never have. Pray that God will give you wisdom and creativity. Now, I know you guys are so busy with all your work, you don't have time sometimes not even to think about that because you're so busy. Ask God to help you discipline your time. We talked about it. I wasn't there, but they studied discipline last night and that disciplining our time. We need to discipline ourselves with our use of time. And so to be able to do that, you need to have discipline in your time. Most of us aren't like that. We're running around this important, that important. Not everything that's urgent is important. Have you ever heard that before? Not everything that is urgent is important. We're talking about being a missionary. That's what Paul was, an apostle. In the general sense of the term, one who's sent with a message. You are sent with a message. I'm not going to call you apostle. And I hope you don't call me that. I have people that call me pastor. Now, I'm not much into titles. Really, I'm not. Uh, and actually, I discourage people from calling me pastor. One guy came to the church one time. Uh, well, he's, he's a member of our church from another Methodist background. And, and he kept calling me pastor in Spanish, pastor. And I said, please call me Carlos or, or Chuck. Sometimes people in Mexico call me Chuck if they can pronounce the word. And, or just hermano, which is brother. And he said, I can't do it. I just have to call you. Okay, fine. That's fine. You can call me that. But remember, I'm not into titles. And I don't want the title. I just, you know, we have a brotherly relationship there. So that's what God's called you to do. God hasn't called you to be maybe a missionary to Turkey like Alejandro and his wife. Please pray for them. Elise just had a baby last week, her third child. I believe it was a boy. Pray for them. He'll be coming here. He should be here in the next couple of weeks. Greet him. Tell him you're praying for him. He does speak English. And he'll be grateful for that. And pray for those people. Uh, Bruce just shared about several people that came to receive Christ while we were there. About, there's about 12 families that we need to follow up. Pray that they'll be faithful. Pray that the members of the church will be faithful in visiting those people, calling them, loving on them. That's how they're going to remain faithful. You need to be faithful. God is faithful. We're going to talk about that more. But Paul's called to be an apostle. You are called. If you say you're a missionary where you are, then you're called to be one. Think about that. Pray about it. There are people all around you, your next-door neighbors. How can you have contact with them? Of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To the church in Corinth, of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. Paul could say that of the Corinthian church. If you've ever read Corinthians, there was a church with a lot of problems. Man, you talk about a problematic church. Have you ever been part of a church with a lot of problems? Melanie Park has problems. You think that Melanie Park has problems? You bet it does. Does the Bible Church of Seattle State have problems? You bet it does. Maybe not like what we find here. But Paul is calling these people what? Sanctified. 
of in Christ Jesus. Sanctified, set apart, sacred. Maybe you don't look at yourself as sacred. Set apart. Set apart to God from the world. That's what we're talking about here. Paul was able to say that to this church. Melanie Park, you are sanctified. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, if you've said the big yes to Jesus Christ, then you are sanctified. Now, many of us would say, well, I'm in the process of sanctification. In one sense, yes. In another sense, you are already sanctified. Isn't that a blessing? Amen, brothers? Wouldn't, isn't that a blessing? It is a blessing to me to think, yes, I'm sanctified. Okay, I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter how I feel. That's the reality. When you become a Christian, you begin to leave uh, guiding your life by your feelings. And you begin to guide it by God's Word. What a difference that makes. Talking about a difference when those people receive Christ, they begin to have family devotionals. That's what we expect in a believer who receives Christ. If you receive, if you pray with your neighbor, for example, talking about witness to our neighbors, and they want to know about Jesus Christ and they want to receive Christ, what do you expect after they pray? A change. You don't expect them to live their lives as the same as they were before. No. I expect a change. You expect a change. That's what we're looking at here. Sanctification. A process that starts at the moment you receive Christ and continues on until the day God calls you home. That's sanctification. A process of being more like Jesus Christ. God wants to change your character. God wants to change your character. Let Him change your character. What, uh, Elliot mentioned anger. All of us deal with anger at one time or another. Maybe some of you are real calm people, but I tell you, you got your hot spots, don't you? You do. I do. You get angry sometimes. We're talking about a character change. Of course, it's not always wrong to be angry. You in agreement with that? It's good to be angry at sin. We should be angry at sin. We shouldn't be angry at other people. Right? You agree with that? She angry at sin. How about anger at sin in your own life? She angry at sin. I'm angry at sin in my own life. When I blow it, I'm angry at myself sometimes. Right? That's the process of sanctification. You are sanctified. Not just in the process. Before Jesus Christ, you are sanctified. And called, there's that word again, to be what? Holy. To be like Jesus Christ. That is your goal. The purpose of God in your life is to make you more like Jesus Christ. Sometimes we forget that, don't we, when things get tough. Right? We begin to ask, why, God? Why, God? Why did my son die? There was a family that lost their son this week, adult son. Why, God? Why did you let that happen? It's okay to ask that question. But we need to remember. We need to remember that God's main goal in your life and in mine isn't that you're happy, that everything's going well for you. That is not God's purpose. Of course He wants to bless you. Of course you need to be an example to other people by your testimony. But people know that your life isn't perfect and that my life isn't perfect. The people out there who don't believe in Jesus Christ know that you and I have the same struggles as they do, or pretty much. Of course, it changes over time, right? It changes over time. But they need to see that change. 
God's main purpose in you is your character. You can sit here and sing. You can feel the presence of God. You can be enjoyable. And then you go home. And how? what are you like at home? Are you a grouch? Are you open? What about interruptions? When, people, when you're in the middle of something and some little kid comes up and wants your attention, how do you react here? That's where it counts. That's the character God wants in you when you're by yourself, when you're with your family. It's easy to put on a smile here at church. It's easy to say, oh, God bless you. It's easy to say, how's it going? How's it going with you? Oh, great. How are you at home? That's where you really see the difference. God wants to change your character. And that's what part of what's being called to be holy. Paul said that the church in Corinth, Corinth was under construction, called to be holy. Notice that little word in verse 2, in Christ Jesus, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus today? Do you have the assurance of your salvation today? Do you know that when you die today, you're going to be with Jesus forever? If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you should have that confidence. You should have that assurance. Some people don't. Some people tell me, well, you can never know. No one really knows for sure. I'll never know till the day I die. That's not what Scripture teaches. My God is what God, what God says here in His Word, not by my feelings or by what some, uh, somebody else says. Don't let what I'm saying to you now be your guide. Check what I'm saying by what God says here. Check what, God, what Todd says by, the, by those, His Word. Check it out. Is it true to God's Word? Or is it just Todd talking? Or just Chuck talking? Don't believe me. Just because I said it. Oh, well, it must be true. Chuck said it. There's a lot of people in Mexico City that think that way. Oh, Chuck said that. It's got to be true. No. No, God said it. Let him be true. Let him be true. In Christ Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, if you're visiting summertime, lots of people visiting churches, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. Receive Christ as Savior today. If you've never done it before, today is the day. It's not just going to church. not just being a good person. It's knowing Christ. It's not having religion. It's having Jesus Christ. There's a difference, you know. In Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Grace, unmerited favor. Grace is also the power and the desire to do God's will. Grace is also that. We need more of that, don't we? We need more of that, don't we? Paul said, I, Paul wanted more of God's grace. You and I should want more of God's grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God's peace. Do you have God's peace? Have you sensed His peace? Even in the middle of trials, you're going to have trials. You're going to have problems. We don't look for them in life, but they happen, and they're going to continue happening. Do you have God's peace? You know you can only have that as you practice God's presence. In verse 9, we talk about fellowship with God. That word is intimate fellowship, koinonia. It's more than just sitting in front of TV, eating pizza, 
rubbing your belly. It's a lot more than that. That's not fellowship in the way that God talks about it here. Talking about intimacy. Do you have intimacy with Jesus Christ? What does that mean? That means reading His Word, praying, allowing Him to control your life, use your life, being obedient. A lot of things it means. Does that happen in your life? Peace of God. You and I need that peace. Jesus Christ promised that peace to us, but it's not automatic. We need to work at it. We're saved already. Salvation is by grace through faith. But we need to work at practicing that peace. The intimacy you cultivate. Same thing as you get married. just doesn't happen because you're married. Those of you who are married, you know you've got to work at it. It's hard work. Practicing the presence of Jesus Christ. All of you should be reading God's Word every day. All of you should be reading. We all know that. If you've been raised in the church, that's what you were raised with. Practicing God's presence so when those tough times comes, you're hanging on to Jesus Christ. And those tough times will come. They will come. They're going to happen. They're going to happen. Paul said, I always thank God for you because of His grace given to you in Christ Jesus. Giving thanks for the church at Corinth, a, a church where people were getting drunk during the Lord's Supper, people were falling asleep, people had died, there were divisions in the church, You're going to give thanks to God for a church like that? Yep. Yep. You know a perfect church? Anybody know a perfect church? No. No perfect churches. If you find one, don't go there. You'll ruin it. You'll ruin it. I give thanks to God for Melanie Park. Do you give thanks to God for Melanie Park? Yes, you should. Yeah, but there's a lot of problems in Melanie Park. Yeah, there are. Yeah, sure there are. Just like in every church. Give thanks to God. I give thanks to God for the Bible church to see that us take up. You give thanks to God. You need to. If you don't, when you pray, thank you, Jesus, for Melanie Park, for what you're doing through that body of believers there, for those people. You need to give thanks. I need to give thanks. Paul always gave thanks for them. And he says, for in him you have been enriched in every way. You have been enriched. You have been enriched. Isn't that amazing? In every way. How's that? How am I enriched in every way? You're rich. You've been blessed. We don't understand. We don't, can't get our minds around salvation and all that it means. It's a lifetime of understanding what it means and applying it to our lives. But one thing is knowing that I'm enriched in Christ. You may not feel like it, but you are. Paul said they've been enriched. You have been too. You have been too. You know, Jesus said in the Great Commission, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've taught you, and I'll be with you until the end of the age. Before that, in verse 18, Jesus said, all authority on earth, Heaven and earth have been given to him, and he's with you. You have, at this moment, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have everything you need. You don't need any more. You don't need any more. Paul's telling that to the Corinthians. You are enriched. The church of Corinth was a rich church, not in money, but in, in knowing God, in knowing Jesus Christ. 
The problem is that many of us, since we've been raised in a Christian family, and all of our life we've heard this, it kind of becomes like second nature. You know, no big deal, you know. You need to understand that. You need to understand that. When you begin to have a passion for Jesus Christ, it will mean more to you. Do you have a passion for Jesus Christ? What does that look like? Do you have a passion for Jesus? I'm not just talking about interest or an agreement. I'm talking about a passion, a fervency, a fervency. When those guys who came down uh, and the team went down to Mexico City and shared the gospel, man, they were excited. They were fervent. They were ready to share some more. They didn't want to stop. It's time to go eat. I want to continue sharing. Okay. (laughs) That's great. Isn't that a great God we serve? Isn't that a great God we serve? Man, He's with us. He's given us all we need. Maybe not all we want, but He's given us all we need to live a life for Him. It's time to put your hand to the work. Time to to begin to put that into practice. Because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift. Again, we talk about you don't lack anything. What's Psalm 23 say? Many of us have memorized that when we were a kid. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. Do we really believe that? Or do we just kind of say that? You need to believe that. I need to believe that. You lack nothing. You don't lack anything. Now, that doesn't, that's not an excuse to just sit there in your life with your arms crossed and say, well, God, you know, whenever you want. No. The time to act, to put your faith into practice, is now. Is now. Some of you are doing that. Some of you are moving ahead. And others of you, where are you with Jesus Christ? Are you just static? You know, we all live on an incline. An incline like walking up a mountain. You know, if you're not walking up the mountain, what are you doing? You're sliding back. You're sliding back. May it not be that way with you. May it not be that way with this church. God has used this church in amazing ways. And we don't always fully understand that. God wants to continue using this church. Pray for this church. And what does Paul say in verse 7? As you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed, we see the same idea of the rapture. We sometimes say the second coming, but that's not exactly precise. The rapture and the second coming are two different events, yet future. The rapture is when Jesus Christ comes to the clouds and takes His true church with Him. What does Paul say to the Corinthians? Eagerly waiting. It just doesn't say waiting. Are you eagerly waiting the second coming of Christ? Is that something you think about very much? You should. Have you ever said to God, God, now would be a great time for you to come back? Maybe it's not the best motivation. (laughs) Maybe you want to get out of some problem. But at least you're thinking about it. That should be a thought that should be in your mind a lot. He is coming back, you know. Bible prophecy does get fulfilled. Do you believe that? It's not just words on a page. One of the ways we know that the New Testament is true is that Jesus Christ 
fulfilled more than 300 prophecies in his lifetime. Most of them in the last week of his life. That proves it's true. You have doubts about whether or not the Bible's true. Does come up, someone, someone come up to you and say, oh, the Bible's written by man. And, and you begin to doubt. No, stand firm. Conviction. No, the Bible's God's Word without error. And it's for me today and for you today. Eagerly waiting for our Lord, He will keep you strong to the end so that you'll be blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mentioning that same fact again. That's the next event in God's great calendar, the rapture. People talk about the world ending, all these prophecies about the world ending in May, the world ending in June. Did you hear all those prophecies? There's, it's full of prophecies. People, the world is supposed to end in 2000. didn't end in 2000. That's the next event. next event is not the end of the world. The next event is the rapture. And it's going to be big. It's going to be big. Believe it. May that, that encourages me. When things get tough, I know I'm not in here forever. I know that the problems I have at this moment are only temporary. Because Jesus is coming back. Now, He's going to come back to take me to be with Him. And I'm going to be perfect. And you're going to be perfect. If you know Jesus Christ, I'm going to be like Him. I'm not going to be God. But I'm going to be like Him. Perfect with a perfect body. That should be an encouragement to you. That should be an encouragement to you. Now remember, you're not worthy of this. Don't say, well, I'm not worthy. Of course you're not. Neither am I. Who is? No one's worthy about it. Mark's not worthy for salvation. You agree with that? Is Mark not worthy? Of course not. Bruce? Bruce, you're not worthy. I'm not either. Still have it. That's what salvation is all about. He will keep you strong to the end. That is the same word as in the Greek as we find in verse 6, was confirmed in you. That I'm reading out of the NIV. That, uh, verse 6 says that because our testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, in verse 8 we have that will keep you blame, strong to the end. Excuse me. He will keep you strong to the end. The same word in the Greek, to confirm, it means to, to establish, make strong and secure. Until when? Until the day you sin. No, didn't say that. God doesn't say that here. Until the end. To what end? He's talking about the rapture. The end of our life as we know it now here on the earth. That's a promise. Keep you strong. To, who's going to keep your salvation? Do you have to keep your salvation? Do you have to look after it? No. Of course you need to be obedient. God is going to keep my salvation and He's going to keep me secure until then. Now, it's not an excuse for inactivity. What it means is that He is going to keep us strong. I'm secure in Christ. Are you secure in Christ? Do you believe that? Or do you believe you can lose your salvation? That's a pretty hot topic in Mexico City, I tell you. We've defended this doctrine about the security of salvation hundreds of times. Very few people believe that. They say you can lose your salvation. I know there's people here in Lubbock who believe the same way. What do you believe? Believe what the Scripture says? Strong evidence is right here. I mean, there are other verses that are more clear than this. But there's strong evidence that God is going to keep me secure and you too until the end. And if you really know Him, 
He's going to keep you secure. I'm trusting in him for my salvation. My faith doesn't end when I receive Christ. It needs to grow. Your faith needs to grow. You think you've arrived? I don't think anybody here would say they've arrived. You need to keep growing. We uh, heard a guy once who 95 years old, had 60 years in the Lord, said, I keep growing. I keep learning about God. Keep me sanctified. That's good news. How about you? I believe you can't lose your salvation, and that's what we teach. Again, that's not an excuse for inactivity. That's not an excuse to, well, I'm just floating down the stream of life and just floating down to when the rapture happens. No. No. You will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Blameless. I know I'm not blameless. God just said I'm sanctified here in His Word. Now He says I'm blameless on the day of His Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not blameless. I'm guilty. I'm guilty before God of sin. And honestly, I think if you knew my private life, some of you would be really shocked at the things that sometimes go through my mind. I think I'd be shocked some of the things that go through your mind. And you know it. You know your own thoughts. I know mine. Yet, the truth is, God's truth is that we are blameless on the, when the day when Jesus comes. And you find us blameless. I'm not blameless. But before God, as a son, as a child of God, I am. And so are you. Again, if you know Jesus. You understand, right, that not everybody is a child of God. I don't know if any of you here believe that. First John or John 1.12, very clear. You know, only those who have received him, those who believe in his name. We're not talking about just intellectual belief, like we believe that Obama is the president of the United States. I'm not depending on him for anything. Maybe you're not either. Maybe you are. I don't know. He doesn't have anything to do with my life. And many of us have Jesus Christ like that. I don't know. Do you have Jesus Christ like that? Oh, I believe in him. I've been raised like this. But he's far away and has nothing to do with my life. I hope that's not true of you. I don't think it is. I mean, you're here today. That's something. That's a good thing. Praise the Lord you came today. Praise the Lord you came today to the church. But it's trusting in Jesus Christ and He will keep you strong to the end. Believe that. We're talking about a conviction here. Immovable. You need to have those convictions when the strong winds of adversity come, when problems come and they want to knock you over. They want you to let go of your faith. What does Satan want? He wants you to become useless for God. That's what he wants of you. Useless. Oh, he can't take away your salvation, but he can make you useless if you let him. Don't let him. Strengthen. God will keep you. Believe. That's why doctrine is so important. And, you know, doctrine is downplayed so many times. But if you don't believe the right things about Jesus Christ, about some of the principal uh, teachings from the Bible, you're not going to be able to live a Christian life the way God wants you. Let's look at verse 9 as we finish up here. God, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. Uh, A more exact translation is God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's what ties all this together. That's what ties all these nine verses together. God is faithful. Do you believe that? Or do you think, well, you know, 
I've had people tell me, how can God take care of me when there's almost 7 billion people on the planet? He's God. He can do whatever He wants. He can be everywhere at once. Satan can't do that. God can. He's God. He is faithful. He's faithful to you. If you are a child of God, He'll always be faithful. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Not just leaving you, never forsaking you. That's Hebrews 13.5, second part of that verse. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do you really believe that today? Is that a strong conviction? Because it has to be, because when problems come that are threatening to shake you to the core, you're there with your faith and those convictions strong. God is faithful. I don't understand what He's doing. I'm not going to question Him. I'm not going to say He left me or abandoned me or not hearing my prayers. You know God always hears prayers? You know God always answers prayers? Did you know that? Yeah, He does. Just because He doesn't say yes doesn't mean He didn't answer your prayer. Maybe He told you no. Do you accept that as an answer from God? No, God, I just want yeses, pure yes. No. Or maybe wait. What is your idea about prayer? I believe God always answers my prayer. He always hears me because I'm His son, because I'm saved. That should be your conviction too. And He's not always going to say yes. God is faithful. When you have those problems, believe that He hasn't left you. He wants to use what's ever happening to help your faith grow. You say, Lord Jesus, I want to grow my faith. God says, okay, I'm going to put these things in your life. Pray. Pray. I have the conviction God always hears me, not because I'm some great missionary or pastor or whatever, because I'm a child of God saved by grace. You are too. God always answers your prayers. But sometimes He says no. That's an answer to prayer. How many times did He say no? Paul said, the same Paul who wrote this, said, God, take this thorn out of my flesh. Nope. Not going to do it. Three times. Nope. Not going to do it. It's for your own good. So you don't exalt yourself. You be humble. You want to be humble? Let God use those problems in your life to let you see who you really are. That you're weak, but that you're saved by a faithful God. And He remains faithful. God always answers your prayers. Sometimes He says, wait. Keep praying. I've been praying for my family for over 30 years. God keeps telling me, you wait. Keep praying. Keep praying. But Lord, nor when, keep praying. Trust in me. Okay. I'll do it. Praying for their salvation. Come from For those of you who don't know me, come from a family of six kids and number five. We were with some of them just a couple weeks ago. Lost as ever. Not even close. God says, wait. Keep praying. God always, so don't ever say, oh, well, God didn't answer my prayer. Yes, he did. He either said no or wait. Maybe he didn't say yes. God is faithful. That is how you are saved. That is how you are sanctified. That is how you're holy. That's how you've been enriched in every way. That's how you will be found blameless when he comes back. Amen? And again we see this word has called you into fellowship. You want to know what your calling is? Be intimate with Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Get to know Him better. You need to get to know your God better. You think you know Him? 
There's a whole lot more to know about him. Knowing him is loving him, trusting him. Where is your faith today? Where is your faith today? Believe in a faithful God who will never leave you nor forsake you, who will always be with you, even in the darkest moments of your life. doesn't mean he's left you. Don't expect just great. It's like Job. What did Job say to his wife? Oh, what a wife. Curse God and die. Thanks a lot. What did Job say to her? Should we expect just good things from God and not bad? Whoa, is that a theological dilemma for most of us? Because we just expect good things from God. And, you know, being a Christian is easy when you have money and things are going well and your kids are more or less obedient. But the true test comes when there are problems. And that's where we see your faith. Even those people who don't know Jesus can be kind and considerate and nice when things are going well. But turn that whole thing around and you get to see what they're really like. Turn your life around, see what you're really like. God's turned my life around. See what I'm really like. I don't like what I see. I need to grow. I need to trust more. You might say to me, well, Chuck, I mean, God, man, your faith. You live in Mexico City. It's all from God. It's all from God. He's made me faithful because He is faithful. You are faithful? You want to love this church? Be faithful to this church. Are you faithful? God is. Who's our example? God. He's faithful. You be faithful. Faithful in your marriage. Okay, well, maybe you're married a second time. Be faithful to your spouse now. Be faithful. That means service. Service. That means just an emotion, a love. It means a commitment through thick and thin. Why do we say those, those uh, uh, vows? You know, life and death. Well, not life and death. Uh, sickness and health, riches and poverty. Because that's what a commitment is. Talking about a commitment to Jesus Christ here. Do you love what Jesus Christ loves? Do you believe that Jesus Christ loves this church with all its imperfections? You bet he does. You bet he does. And he died to save this church. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about you guys. He loves his church. You should love what God loves. Love this church. How do you love this church? Serve. God's given you abilities. It's a sin to sit there with your abilities and do nothing. We just read in the bulletin. There's a lot of opportunities to serve today. Get busy. Serve God. You're already saved. You're not going to be more saved if you start serving God. But that's what God wants from you. That's what Paul's talking about here. Faithful is the Lord. You need to be faithful. Faithful to this church. How are you going to be faithful to the church? You're going to talk good about this church. You disagree with the elders? Okay. It's okay to disagree with them on some points. You're going to support them? You're going to be faithful to them? Or are you just going to sit there behind their backs and stab them in the back? No. God be faithful. God's called you to be faithful. God's called you to be faithful. That's one way to be faithful. I'm going to talk good about the church I attend. I'm going to be faithful. I'm committed to this church. I'm going to serve in this church. 
I'm not going to agree with every little detail that happens in the church, but I'm going to be faithful. God's called me to be faithful. How about you? Is that where you're at today? Or are you thinking about leaving this church? I mean, plenty of people have. It's like a rotating door. Same with Bible Church the Azteca. We've shared the gospel, I don't know, thousands of people. And I guess if all the people that came to see the Azteca Bible Church had stayed there, we have a church of about 5,000 people. There are 5,000 people there. Maybe 100, maybe 80. You guys saw it. God wants you to be faithful. And when on that day when you're standing before Him talking about the rapture, he, I want Him to say to you and I want Him to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Because of your faithfulness. Maybe you didn't go to Mexico City and plant a church and win 5,000 people to the Lord in Spanish. Fine. But God's called you to be faithful where you are with the gifts He's given you. Be faithful. Okay, you're going to fall down sometimes. You're going to sin. You're going to blow it. With God's help, get back up and continue going. Because God is faithful. You be faithful. Amen? You want to be faithful? Again, that's what ties this whole passage together. God's faithfulness. Praise the Lord that my God is faithful. And your God is faithful. Amen. Man, I'm just... I got goosebumps all over. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this church. God, I know this church has problems. I know there's sin. Because we're all sinners. Well, I pray there's no... Well, that's another issue. But I know we're all sinners, Lord. We blow it. God, I... I thank you for this church and those people who came down to visit us, the people that prayed for them specifically, the people that gave. Thank you for the people that pray for us regularly, pray and give so we can be in Mexico City doing your work. If it wasn't for this church, Lord, we wouldn't be there. Not just the money, Lord. It's the prayers. Thank you that you've kept us faithful for almost 18 years. And some, many times you don't understand your plan. But you don't call us to understand, Lord Jesus. You call us to trust in you and be faithful. Help us with that, Lord. We're weak. We're like sheep, dumb sheep that want to do dumb things. And, but you're a faithful God and you're, you want to guide us. Let us. Give us that disposition, that willingness. Father, strengthen this church, Lord. Continue to use it. Help us love what you love. Help us love this church. Help us be faithful to your calling in our life. God, thank you. Thank you for this church again, Lord. Thank you for those people who are being faithful. Help us all be faithful. I pray for those families who are going through struggles right now. I'm thinking of one family in particular. I pray they'd not despair. I know they're struggling. I know there's sadness, lots of questions. That's okay, Lord. But help their faith grow in you. Help them hang on to you more strongly, growing in their faith. We don't understand, Lord. That's okay. That's okay. Father, forgive us of our sins. And as a church, corporately, please forgive us. We've blown it. 
but you are worthy. And you, you restore. You're faithful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that you've blessed us with riches, blameless, holy, sanctified, that you are establishing us, keeping us firm until the end. Thank you. Father, I pray that you bless us now as we leave this building. Thank you for what we've studied this morning. I pray it would not quickly leave our minds, that we would leave with just not new information, but a willingness, a greater willingness, and a, and a disposition to obey you. Father, use us today, I pray. And I give thanks again. In Jesus' name, amen.